Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace. Amen. The word of God for our meditation this Christmas Eve is from today's first lesson, Isaiah chapter 9. I'll read again these words. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. This is the word of our God. In the name of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world, dear brothers and sisters, psychologists call it scotophobia. And if it becomes really severe, they sometimes call it nyctophobia. We know it simply as being afraid of the dark. Some adults suffer from this, but not too many. Mostly, it's kids who have this fear. In fact, it seems to be a phase that, that most kids go through as they are growing up. Interestingly, the fear of the dark is, is usually not about the darkness itself. It's actually about something that could be there lurking in that darkness. Children, of course, often imagine a boogeyman in the closet or a monster hiding under their bed. Parents have all kinds of tactics to help their kids with this fear. Plugging in a nightlight, turning on the hall light and leaving the bedroom door open just a crack so that some light comes in. Perhaps letting their kids have a small flashlight or a glow stick or something like that. Making sure to come in and do a check before bedtime, looking in the closet, looking under the bed to make sure there's nothing there. And of course, parents often also attempt to reason with their children. You've heard it before, probably all of you at one point have said it. There's nothing there in the dark that isn't there in the light. Ever since Adam and Eve fell into sin, this world has been a very dark place. And I wish I could stand here in the pulpit this evening and tell you that there's nothing to be afraid of, that there's nothing in the darkness that isn't in the light, but I can't say that. There is something there. There is danger and disaster. There is death in that darkness. You see, this world is filled with the darkness of sin. The portion of God's Word before us tonight shows us the light. A light that shines, that just blazes in the darkness. Lying in Bethlehem's manger is the light of the world and the cure for all sin, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. This evening, let's focus our attention on him. Let's talk a little bit about both darkness and light. Isaiah the prophet ministered to the people of Judah about seven centuries before our Savior's birth. And Judah at that time was a mess. Isaiah tells us that by and large, people just did not care about each other. It was neighbor against neighbor. Substance abuse was rampant. People are described as being heroes at drinking wine. Sexual immorality was everywhere. It seemed that people had lost the ability to blush. There was a lot of poor people around, but there was no mercy or compassion for them. And the elderly were not held in high regard and esteem as they should have been. They were mocked. They were poked fun of. You see, for the most part, the people of Judah had walked away from the light of true faith in the Lord. It was a very dark time in Judah. Well, as the old saying goes, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Our world is a dark place too, isn't it? Our world is filled with things like violence and terrorism, racism and human trafficking. 
The family unit, it seems, is collapsing to make way for anything goes sexuality. Moderate drinking is a rare exception. Especially here in Wisconsin, which is known for its drinking, it seems that we are heroes at drinking brandy old fashions. And sadly, it's still neighbor against neighbor, Republican against Democrat, conservative against liberal, whatever you want to say. My friends, this world is still a very dark place, so much so that Isaiah describes it with words like darkness and deep darkness, which is a different word that could actually be translated the shadow of death. Yes, this world is truly a dark place, smothered in the darkness of sin. And sometimes we hear this, and we just kind of shrug our shoulders and go, well, you know, I don't know, the world really isn't all that bad of a place. Really. Let me ask you this. Are you not dying? If you think you're not dying, let me assure you, you most definitely are dying. All of us are dying, my friends. We don't take this darkness in the world seriously enough, do we? We just don't take it all that seriously. But think about it. The people that you're going to sit around the table with tomorrow for dinner, every one of those people one day is going to be planted into the ground. Now that sounds awful, and it is awful, but we need to hear it, my friends, because again, we just don't take this darkness as seriously as we should. In fact, sometimes we're guilty of embracing it. St. John talked about that. He said people loved darkness instead of light. Don't we see that in our own lives as we embrace sin? Think about it for a second. When you're faced with a choice in life, with a decision to make, aren't you at first drawn to that self-serving choice, the one that is going to give you the most benefit? And if somebody wrongs you or hurts you in some way, are your first thoughts about kindness and compassion and patience and forgiveness and reconciliation? Or is your first thought a fantasy about how you can tell them off and get even with them? You see, my friends, our hearts are by nature filled with darkness, just like the rest of the world around us. And what can we do about this darkness? What light can we shine on it? Well, sometimes we think we can fix things. You know, if we just work hard enough, if we just got everybody together, if we just pulled in the same direction, then we could solve the problems of this world. We could get rid of oppression and racism and violence and all those kinds of things. And if we just really try harder in our own lives, if we concentrate on trying to do more good than we do bad, then eventually, well, we'll be in God's eyes pretty good people. My friends, let me ask you this. Can you stop yourself from being selfish? Can you stop yourself from sinning, from aging, from dying? Well, my friends, we can't do that. What level of arrogance is in us to think that we could solve all the world's problems when we can't even solve our own sin? My friends, it's very clear from God's word that left on our own, we couldn't solve the problem of darkness. In fact, we would be cast into outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth forever and ever. No, we can't fix the darkness. But God can. And God did. You might say that God flipped the switch. He sent the light. And that light 
is a person. Isaiah tells us this. To us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Jesus Christ is that child. He is the Son of God. He's a man, for he was born of a human mother, but he's also more than a man. He is truly God. And we can see that quite clearly tonight from the names, from the titles that Isaiah gives him. He first calls him Wonderful Counselor. Now, no merely human counselor always gives wonderful advice because they don't know everything. They are imperfect. But Jesus is God. He knows everything. And so his advice is perfect. It is always wonderful. Next, Isaiah calls him Mighty God. Could it be more obvious who our Lord Jesus is? He is God Almighty who is able to do anything. He is also our everlasting Father. Now, that doesn't mean that Jesus is God the Father. That is a different person of the triune God. But Jesus is the author and the creator of all life. And he has compassion for you and me like a father has for his children. Finally, Isaiah calls him the Prince of Peace. That's what the angels got all worked up about on that first Christmas. That's what they sang about to give glory to God. Peace on the earth. Peace between a holy God and sinful human beings. My friends, the light shining in the darkness is God himself in human flesh. God who came to earth in our place to rescue us sinners from the darkness. Why is this so important? This little point of doctrine, some might think of it as, that Jesus is at the same time both God and man. Why did he have to be God to rescue us? Well, think about the mission that he was sent on. You know, if God was just sending somebody to show us what we should think about sin, he wouldn't need to send God. he just need to send a mere man. And God actually did that many times throughout history. He sent his prophets to his people to tell them his holy will. But they didn't listen to that will. They didn't keep that will. They broke his laws over and over again, just like you and I do every single day. And if God wanted to send us an example of how we should live, well, he could have just sent one of his holy angels. That's something else that he did several times in history. He sent those angels to his people to deliver messages. But he could have pointed at Gabriel and said, well, everybody just... Follow him. Do what he does. He always keeps my orders. He always carries them out. But here's the thing, my friends. We don't have the ability to obey perfectly like God's holy angels do. We needed more, didn't we? We needed more than an example, more than someone to tell us what is right. We needed someone who could get rid of the darkness. We needed someone who could come and take our place. We needed someone who could live under God's law and be subject to it, man, but also who could keep that law flawlessly at every single point without fail. God. We needed someone who could die on the cross in our place, a man. But my friends, we also needed someone whose sacrifice on the cross would be of infinite value, big enough to count not just for one person, but for all people of all time. God. We needed the God-man. 
We needed God with human blood in his veins, blood that he could shed and pay for the sins of the entire world. And my friends, what we needed, we have received. God sent him to the manger. That baby lying there on the ox's breakfast is none other than God himself in our flesh, our perfect Savior who lived and died and rose again for us all. Jesus is the light of the world who destroyed the darkness of sin and death forever. Now, yes, of course, we still sin. We are still sinners, and as long as we are in this world, we will remain sinners. But here's the thing. Because of Jesus' sacrifice, God no longer counts our sins against us. Jesus paid for them all with his holy and precious blood. And so we are free both from sin's responsibility and from sin's punishment. Free from those things forever. And yes, we still die. And unless Jesus returns first, all of us are going to be planted in the ground one day. And yes, the people sitting around that dinner table with you tomorrow, they too are going to die. But remember, Jesus, the babe of Bethlehem, is also the resurrection and the life. Jesus rose again and defeated death forever. So all who trust in him never really die. No, they live for all of eternity. They have the certainty of salvation. They have the sure hope of heaven. What a gift our God has given us. It's humbling, isn't it, to think about that gift? I want you to imagine that you're sitting around the Christmas tree, Christmas morning, and your significant other hands you an envelope. It's got a card in it. It's your Christmas gift. You open it up and you realize that what's in that card is a one-year membership to the local gym. And you look down at your gut and you look back at your significant other and you realize that a message is being sent you have some things to work on. By the way, this probably goes without saying. Ladies, you can do that. Guys, don't even try it. It's not going to work. But isn't it similar in the gift that we receive from our Heavenly Father, the light of Christ? In giving that gift to us, our God is saying to each of us, you are so broken and dirty and so utterly incapable of fixing yourself or cleaning yourself up. You are so utterly lost in the darkness that I have to come down to earth myself and save you. The situation is so dire that it requires a good man, the best man, a perfect man, the God man to die for you. Yes, my friends, it is humbling to think that our God would give us such an incredible gift. But then when we realize that he actually went and gave that gift at great, at infinite personal expense to himself, well, my friends, it just fills us with peace and with an inexpressible joy. To think God loves you and me so much that he moved heaven and earth, that he gave up everything, that he sent his one and only Son down into our darkness to give us the light and life of salvation. Yes, my friends, this world is truly a dark place, and it's going to remain a dark place until Jesus comes again. But Jesus Christ is the light of the world. His light blazes in our darkness. Focus your eyes on him. Cling to him. He is with you always, helping, forgiving, saving. Trust in him, and you will never again walk in darkness. Amen.